Hello, you're listening to season two of Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adrians, and this podcast is all about the question, what does it mean to live a life driven by curiosity, creativity, and love over fear? Each week, you can tune in to hear me discussing various topics related to this question with leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are each living out this pursuit in their own unique ways. When you've finished listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. You can find all the show notes over at dinaadrians.com slash ecppodcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Creative People. Today, my guest is Kofi Oduro, who is a coder, engineer, poet, performer, uh, doing a whole bunch of different things and sort of mixing them all together here in Montreal, my new hometown. And Kofi is, let's see, using videography, poetry, creative coding, which I'm curious how you define creative coding to highlight the realms of human performance and the human mind by looking at different scenarios that we face in our everyday lives, um, also including music and visuals. He's got some really interesting uh, sort of things that look like very sort of old school. Uh, well, you have like one video that is like based on Pac-Man, I think, right? And I, I feel like a lot of your your stuff that you've created, the the visual elements that you've created looks like old school video games um, and computer games. Kofi, welcome to the show. Do you have anything that you want to like throw in to add to your bio? Now, I think my bio is pretty like packed. You pretty much said everything. <laughs> Maybe that like apart from the creative coding, I actually can do like real programming because I realized that whenever I tell people creative coding, after a while, they're like, oh, can you do real, like, programming? Mm. So I do realize that, like, I do have to tell people that, like, yeah, it still involves programming, but it's a different end goal. Interesting. Okay, so when you say creative coding, how do you define that? I define creative coding or how other people have defined it as as the code. What we're coding is different than what a typical programmer would end. So... The end piece could be a song, animation, art piece okay. using programming stuff. So using like math and different computer science elements, not to solve maybe anything or to show off like any complexity, but just to release an art form. Hmm. So is this like, I don't, I don't know anything about creative coding other than what I've seen you producing through your website and your Instagram feed. Is this like a whole world that is existing out there? It actually <laughs> is like that. That That is like the funniest story because when I first did it, like I'm like, okay, maybe I'm by myself. So before I used to travel to Hamilton, Ontario, because there's this prof, David Ogborn, who actually teaches like live coding, which is okay. a form of creative coding, but that's like, think of like improv dance, improv comedy. So there's like a whole section of like where people improv and have all these algorithms. So he teaches that. But then the more I got to meet people from there and talk to people from Europe, I realized there's a whole world. There's like at least like maybe four to five different 
conferences that are okay. based on creative coding. So like there was huh. one recently in Madrid that I went to present and perform at. Oh, cool. That's the International Conference of Live Coding. So more dealing with like the improv and all that stuff. But yeah, so it actually is a big world because like if you go on Instagram and type creative coding or any of the hashtags that you see me use or other people use, there's like a whole world. And the more I dive into it, the more I realize that like there's people doing some really crazy stuff and like hmm. mind boggling world. Like mind boggling. Can you give an example of something that you found okay, mind boggling? So, <laughs> okay, so like it was at the Spain thing, the last day. There was this uh, lady from Netherlands, Marjorie. So she's doing uh, like an improv piece while like using a one hand keyboard. So you just see her type in the air, trying to like recompose this piece with like clin clinical surgery in terms of like her precision to type in like she was barely making any mistakes and i'm like how are you typing without a keyboard in the air no error <laughs> like that was my boggling wait wait wait, wait. sorry yeah. back up for a second okay so she's typing in the air without a keyboard yeah so it's like a mini like device so you can see that like her hands have to go like with 12 keys and okay. her hand cannot it's like escape this like range and like anytime she makes a mistake we see it on the screen because it will turn red okay and every time she, it, she would perform well it would turn green so imagine like huh. like dance dance like you know ddr like is it dance, yeah. dance revolution is that the name of the game yeah, Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to talk Is about it. Is that still it, a thing? <laughs> yeah. It, it, so imagine that, but like like someone doing it with just their hands and like performing live in front of people. That's mind-blowing. And the other mind-blowing thing I might have seen was, was a VR. Like a guy made a whole world where you creatively code in a VR world. Okay. It's represented in real world. So like think of like some inception, like you're coding to code within code. <laughs> <What>? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I feel like as as a non-coder, like non-tech person at all, this is all like next level like <laughs> My brain can't even wrap around this. <laughs> but that's the funny thing about, like, the creative coding thing is that it's really divided, I feel like, into, like, three, four groups. Because you have, like, a lot of people that have, like, computer science background or technical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But then what I find really impressive is, like, the people that – because a lot of the software – all open source and all that. So a lot of people that are building stuff are actually not programmers. They're actually artists, musicians, teachers that are building stuff so like other people can use. So like one of the softwares I use, Sonic Pi, I have learned more about music because I cannot play an instrument for the life of me. But I can I can fake instruments on my code. Like like I don't, like you have a music background, right? So you know things like scale, octaves. I did not know those things existed. I did okay. not know what a chord was. But like I can code it now. And then I could code like reverbs and echoes. But huh. ask me like to do that with a real instrument, I'm lost. Ask me to type it out, I'm good. Like now I can talk <laughs> like the lingo. Like I could talk like delays or decays or sustain or notes, majors, pentatonic. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. All right. That's sophisticated stuff. So, um, so how did you get into this? Okay. So how did I get into this? So I guess this is like where I go back into like before I coded because when I was younger, I always did like spoken word poetry mm-hmm. and a lot of improv. So like I will always go out, perform, make stuff on the spot, perform, perform, perform. And it was cool. Then once I got into computer science, I hit a point where like I'm like, this thing is too technical. Some of the theory really sucks. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I, I need to have fun with this programming stuff or I'm going to hate it. Then I came across something called processing. It's for a lot of artists use it. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can make like and this is where you see like that Pac-Man or some of that retro stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can make like games or like 80 stuff. So I'm like, oh, retro games. So I will start making some. And then I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Let me write a poem about what I just coded. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. But I'm like, yeah, everyone knows what game programming is. Programming just like with visuals, it's very hard to like conceive the point all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me go to music because I always wanted to uh, perform over a beat. And since I'm not musically trained, it's hard for me to make beats. And I don't like a lot of software. Like Fruity Loops, I can't really use it that well, but I can code. So then I like went on this like rabbit hole of like looking musical programming to like find and like we'll try and stuff left and right. And then I found a couple that I liked and then I started making like some stuff, but I couldn't make rap beats at first because I didn't realize how complex rap and everything is. So then I just basically started making like if you heard some of my stuff like some of like ambionic music ambient edm and then slowly as i discussed with other people i started learning to make what i wanted to make and then this what brought me here now where like i'm combining like animation sound poetry all into one hmm so is this like Like, okay, so obviously there's a world of people who do this because there are at least four or five conferences that happen around the world. Um, Outside of the people who actually make this stuff, is there, like, is there an audience outside of the people who are making it? Like, who, where, where, like, what are the places in which, other than, like, on the internet, are there places in which you would share your work? Oh, yeah, this is the cool part. So so this is where I guess the different areas go. So uh, there's a lot of installations that you see with like a program like open frameworks or even processing. And and a lot of those programs are also used in a lot of educational facilities. So a lot of like schools will, will, will like instead of having traditional programming, they will use this to like le- let their students learn. And also there's something in like with live coding called algorithms where you will do like an improv audio visual performance for the crowd. So in Montreal, we tend to host some like, at least I want to say three to six times a year where you will just see different people live code and all that stuff. And in Canada it's starting to grow. Like there's in Montreal, there's a bunch in Hamilton, there's quite a bit, it's grown quite a bit in NYC, but in over in Europe, because a lot of people tend to be from England for whatever reason. In England, there's a lot of like shows there, like there's a whole list of algorithms and other 
electronic, computer, audiovisual. So that's where you really usually see it like those algorithms and also installations. So when you say algorithms, you're literally talking about like late night club dance party situation. Yeah, yeah. Like algorithms <laughs> stands for algorithmic rave. So. Raves, right. And then the music is like supposed to be live, like so improv. And then the, you would have someone else do the visuals, or sometimes the same person will do their own music and visuals. Huh. Interesting. And when you first started doing coding, before you even got into any of the more like creative artistic stuff, did you start doing coding just because you were like, I need a career path and this seems like a lucrative, you know, route to go? Or like, like what what attracted you to coding to begin with? I wanted to be creative, but like, well, before the creative coding, I wanted to be creative with like how I use math because I was tired of just like doing sports or doing just video because I always felt like I had to use like my smarts, but also my creativity. So whenever I'm like overly smart or like overly like how people say geeky, I don't feel like I'm full. Or if I'm just like writing and being artistic, I don't feel all there, but I'm like, Oh, if I code, I can make my own stuff. I can make my own software that people can use. And at first, before all of this, like, real crazy stuff, I'm like, it would be cool to do a lot of data visualization because I'm into sports, so, like, data science. Like, so I'm like, maybe I can work for a sports team and, like, do all their stats and find a creative way for, like, teams to win that then they will have to pay me to, like, oh, get the Kofi way, you know? One of those, like, pipe dreams, but, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to me because... um I actually, so I have no background in coding. I, I mean, I've, yeah, I, I don't really know much about it at all. Um, and, a f but I've been trying to go to all these different events. And like a couple weeks ago, I actually went to this workshop that was like a free intro to coding workshop just because I'm, you know, I'm like in a new city and I'm trying to network and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's it's free and like maybe it'll be an interesting place to meet people and maybe I'll learn something interesting about coding that I didn't know before. Um, and I went and I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. <laughs> and I think it was, I think it was partly the way that it was being taught. Like I just, it was literally like somebody was typing stuff on a screen and then we were all on our laptops basically copying what that person was doing and then like seeing how it made stuff happen but it just there it felt like there was nothing like it, it was completely mindless and there was like nothing creative about it and i imagine i mean there's like tons of people that are into coding and i mean you're creating something so i imagine that there be, there there reaches a point at which all coding can become creative in some way. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to hear sort of your journey of like starting off with the more traditional route and then discovering this like underground world of yeah, because, <laughs> creative coding. Because it's not really mainstream. And that was the thing, because that was the same actually thing that actually happened. Cause like, I'm like, okay, I understand the code. I can program, but I'm like, 
a lot of this stuff is boring. And then I was like, keep looking at my head. I'm like, can I really do this like nine to five? Like, can I just be in front of a screen and do some of this boring stuff? And so like when I got into this world, I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then whenever I do like workshops of like introduction to coding, like for some schools or some places, it's always like cool to see people faces when they realize that like coding could actually be taught fun. And then Mm -hmm. once they like the music. So for the music thing or for like the art thing, all we do is make simple beats. Like, first, I showed them, like, how some of these programs work and how some of them you can become your own orchestra amongst your friends and you could, like, code over their work or, like, in just seven lines, you could have, like, a rap beat or EDM or, like, you know, some indie folk songs. And you should see, the, like, the faces of all these people. They're like, oh, I didn't know you can do that with code. And then after they get into it, they're like, what else can I do? And then you show them a little this. Then you're like, oh, right now what you're doing is a race. They're like oh, this is like computer science, and then you get into the math, because music is math, art is math, colors have all, like, physical components, music has tempo, and time is, like, very important in engineering and how we move, so when you break it down that, like, music and art in the end of the day are all, like, functions within themselves, it's easy to, like, teach people further and further. Hmm, that's cool. It's interesting also, I think, because like you've you've referred now several times to math as being a creative thing. And I think that's like not a connection that most people would make. But like, I mean, my brother-in-law is a physicist and I am pretty sure that he would refer to math as creative. Uh, It's just an interesting, it's interesting to me to think about all the different ways in which the world around us can be creative in ways that we don't even realize. Anyway, I, I'm curious also, so you talked about, I don't know, you mentioned something that made me think of this. And now I don't remember what it was that you said. But basically, what I'm curious about is like, okay, so you do this creative coding stuff. There's sort of a world in which this exists. Is this stuff that you are able to earn an income off of? Or do you have to sort of do the more traditional coding stuff to make your money and then the creative stuff is just what you do for fun? This is actually a very good question because this is like has been the tale. So when I started this creative journey 2015, I was just doing it to like pass the time, you know, like, like have fun and like reteach myself to code because there was a moment I couldn't code. Like I was Mm. like just frustrated with coding because I was like, this thing is boring. Like what the hell? Like, am I really going to do this for 15 years, nine to five in front of a computer? I cannot phantom the thought. So I'm like, let me just pass the time, learn like some stuff, have fun. Then 2016, 2017 is when I really started like doing more workshops, attending workshops, learning some of the different stuff and i'm like okay you know now i know that like if i like have a different spread counter i can make like more afro-caribbean music i could make indian so you know my work my work became different and then i started performing and people were actually liking what i perform so i'm like okay there's there's a crowd there's a conference so let me check if there's a conference there must be like ways to like make different money but it wasn't really till like 20, 
2018, late 2018. So this is fairly recent, December, where like it was the first time that like I got paid a reasonable amount to do like a performance for at Studio 303 for the Cabaret. And it was the actually the first, it was actually the second time I ever perform coding while doing poetry because for my many experiments down like the past three years, I realized that whenever I added poetry to the coding, it really got people engaged. Like, how are you able to like freestyle spoken word and freestyle code? How are you able to like put all of these things together? So then I started doing more. I'm like, okay. This, this stuff is cool, but if I'm going to show people, it's very hard to explain. So why don't I do animation? Because, like I said, all movement, all movement is math. So, and animation is something that people can see and understand better than everything else. So then once I started doing the animation, I started getting like a residency, started able to like get into like couple film festivals. And I'm like, oh, there is a market for this. And that's, and then slowly and slowly, you realize that there is a market willing to pay for installations. There are people that are willing to pay to learn how to code. Like it's like the experience that you had where you said during the first few minutes, you felt like this thing is pretty boring. Like where's the fun? And it's a pretty dry. And I realized there is a market for like people to heighten their experiences, heighten their their mindset and open up their how they view the world of coding and that's how you're able to make money from like not directly from the coding but like experience through it and that's why I like the creative coding side because I am able to showcase art and everyone understands art to a degree yeah you said something a few minutes ago what was it you said all movement is math. Can you explain what that means to people who are not math people? <laughs> okay. So like, so my journey, so this was in 2016 when I went to Hamilton. It was the first time I heard of like the Euclidean rhythm, which is like a very popular math thing. But in terms of music, for example, what we consider a genre like rap or like country and all that, a lot of that has to do with spacing and tempo. So for example, if you want like, let's say the movement of, let's say like, you know, African, Caribbean or like Latin, you would have the 712 facts, 712 tempo. So that means that like, if you had 12 boxes, let's say you would have the beat will be evenly spread between seven, seven times within those 12, however that works. And little stuff like that makes it cool. Cause now, since I told you that you'll be like, Oh, and like, there's a whole math book on like how like different genres have different pacings and all that stuff. And every day when we walk, we walk with a certain pace. Everyone has their own flow. Everyone has their own rhythm of when they speak. So you can emulate that true code because we can track how fast you walk or we can mimic or with like how I use a lot of my artwork. I just use random. So that's why like in a lot of my things, it like feels a little more organic because I just let random variables control their likes. Interesting. Yeah, I, that you just reminded me that when I was in college, uh, so 
like many universities, I think my college required that everybody take two semesters of math. Um, and I did not like math. And so I wanted to do as little as possible <laughs> in that realm. But we were allowed to take music theory as one of our math credits. And I think it was for exactly that purpose that you were describing of like, that music theory has a lot to do with the rhythms. And there's a lot of math involved in that. Um, so that's cool. You also made me think of when you were talking about like that there's everything has sort of a natural rhythm to it. Uh, you know, being from a theater background, that makes me think of Shakespeare, right? And like Shakespeare wrote an iambic pentameter, which is the natural rhythm of how we speak. I literally just heard it when I was talking just now. <laughs> um, it's like that da-da, 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 da-da. Uh, like we naturally speak an iambic pentameter and people think that Shakespeare is so, like when you try to read Shakespeare, it feels so unnatural and it can be hard to connect with, particularly because the language is different from sort of our modern English and whatever. But when you hear it, and see it performed with somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Uh, and they're properly following that rhythm of the iambic pentameter. It's like a totally different experience, which I think is super cool. Anyway, that was a random side tangent, no, but, but that was what made, made me think of. <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's like the cool thing because we're like, we all watch, like, let's say we all watch cartoons like frames per second, 30 frames per second, 24 frames per second, 60 frames per second, all of this stuff that like we naturally watch TV ads, it's like a mathematical value in order to contain and how the eyes can get tricked. And that's like one of the things that especially since like, I don't have like pure art experience that was like the real learning curve, like if I do this number, would people be able to understand the little details in like my little animations? Will people understand the little details in the music to like get a different flow? And then the more and more you type in, you realize that like, oh, certain reactions. And that's where like science becomes creative because now you're, now you're doing like a live study on people. Like sometimes I feel like I'm an anthropologist where like I try to put different colors and splash different emotions just to see what people say. And then I will like re reproduce the same content, but in a different way to see if I can change how people react to different poses or different stuff I go in. So yeah. And that's where I feel like another creativity comes in from how I'm able to like easily try to change how people react to my things. Interesting. So if you had like whatever resources you needed, do you have some sort of, do you have like a, a dream project that you would love to do if you had all the resources and whatever that you could have? Well, what was one thing that was cool was that I recently in from February 18th to April 10th, thanks to the NFB ONF, the National Film Board, I was able to like get my first taste of VR. And that was really cool because I was staying in the beginning. What would be cool about VR is how to test people uh, mindset, because like I guess my dream thing will be having a world where every step you take 
it's affected. And the only way you can do that is if you do it through coding. And the reason why I would want to use VR again for that is because I feel like when when we watch movies, we don't get the same experiences from books. And talking to a lot of like animators and screenwriters, it seems that when we watch a movie, no matter how fast or how slow you watch it, you're watching you're watching against a predetermined time. So if it's made for one hour forty six minutes, no matter how fast you watch it or how slow you watch it, one hour forty six minutes. If it's snowing in the movie, it's snowing. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean when you say no matter how fast you watch it or how slow you watch it? Because you're watching the same amount of frames. Like, no matter if you watch a movie in three hours or four hours, uh-huh. the actual movie still has the same amount of frames. But if you were to read a book, you can make the own universe. So, for example, if I tell you it's a snowy day, depending on where you live... That snow will not be the same. If you're from Florida, five centimeters of snow is a snowy day. If you live in Montreal and and it's like January, a snowy day (laughs) is 40 centimeters. Or like one of the samples I actually use all the time is that if you're in Montreal, like, you know, the Fast and the Furious movies. If If that was in Montreal, there has to be more potholes. Like... Like, this is like, like, I cannot relate to, like, streets that don't have potholes. I love this city, but, you know, it's such... <laughs> yeah, the streets here are shit. Um... <laughs> so, so yeah, so I was like, if I'm in, if I, like, let's say a VR thing take, took that into account, that, like, if you're from Montreal, you're able to, like, live, like, this story through a Montreal lens, so you get better reaction, and depending on how fast you move in it or how slow you move in it, it affects the storytelling. I see what you're saying now. Because, okay, I was just confused about, like, how fast you watch a movie, because the only way that you can watch a movie not at the same speed as anyone else is if you, like, deliberately put it in slow-mo or, like, put it in fast motion or whatever. But then you're... But then you're actually changing how much time the movie takes i get what you're saying though it's still the same number of frames whether you're watching it in slow-mo or in like fast in like faster than normal yeah like it's the same weather it's the same characters right but like if you're reading a book like like one example like if i tell you batman right now you might think of ben affleck but if i tell you a random character like like phantom girl how you envision that and i envision that are two totally different things right and that's what i also think that okay like- even the batman example though because when you said batman i definitely thought like 1990s cartoon batman so <laughs> yo same here same here actually that <laughs> i mean the dark one because that's the best one that's the best one we're not we're not like here to like like spread f- like false news but like yeah that is the best one Anyone could at me for that. But like, (laughs) so I think your point is that depending on your lived experience, when given certain inputs, your lived experience will impact your imagined, what am I trying to say? If you have a video, a lot of information is given to you already. 
Whereas if you're reading a book, there's a lot of imagination that your brain has to fill in, which is going to be influenced by your lived experience. Exactly. That, yeah. And then what you're saying is that with virtual reality, uh, because with VR, you are sort of moving through a virtual space in your own time and your own sort of route, I guess, that that could impact the experience that you have or the story that you see unfold. Yes, exactly. That's a little bit like, like um, I think horror. Uh, well, it's like there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the play that I think is still going on in New York. It was like a huge smash hit. Uh, oh my God. What is it called? Totally drawing a blank. Oh my God. What is this thing called? It's like a retelling of Macbeth. Uh, but it's in, um, it's in like a hotel and people, everyone wears masks and like you have to get off at a different floor and uh, you sort of go through, you wander through this act, this like building that's set up as a hotel, and there's actors in every room, and you can like interact with them and see what they're doing. But like, depending on the route that you take through the physical space, your experience of the story will be very different from somebody else's. Uh, oh, Sleep No More. That's what it's called, which is taken from an actual line from the original Macbeth um, play. But, you know, so that's. Uh, sort of an immersive theater experience. So what you're just, I don't think I like haven't experienced enough VR to really wrap my brain around this. I think. Um, Oh, no, no, you're you're (laughs) actually right because I don't think it's really used a lot in VR, but it's like, I I did take it from plays because I was like trying to figure out in my head, like where this concept come from. And I was like, why do people still read books if we have all this stuff? Why do people still watch plays? And then I realized that it's like due to this immersive tale that like humanity has has had forever before technology even exists. And like, you know, like when we had TV, when cable TV was the thing, you could only watch something at 7 p.m. So I was like, <laughs> VR could be that one thing that if we got maybe not tech, not only like programmers or filmmakers, but, you know, like more actors and all that stuff we can tell the same type of tales but depending on who you are so like horror films some like i feel like horror will be the perfect vr experience because depending on how people react you can make a horror film that like most people will say it's not trash because how many times have like people said horror is trash hmm Probably a lot. <laughs> Are you a fan of horror? Uh, I mean, it's not really my genre, but I know there are a lot of people that appreciate it. And what will make you like horror? Well, for example, uh, I'm more of a psychological thriller person. Like, I enjoyed, uh, going back many years, I enjoyed Sixth Sense. Uh, more recently, um, God, I am terrible with remembering names of things. What was that movie that just came out, like, two years ago about the, like, black guy who's dating a white girl and they went to visit her family? Get Out, yeah. Get Out is, like, it's, like, more of a psychological thriller kind of a thing, you know? Like, I appreciate that. Horror, horror, just for the sake of horror, does not 
uh, I'm I'm a little bit too much of a scaredy cat. <laughs> so, so wouldn't you say like the psychological trill like Get Out? Wouldn't you say like imagine like a VR version of Get Out? So I guess it's like immersive. God, that sounds play. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but imagine so imagine like this world like imagine this world dependent on how many spaces you could take. This is like the type of thing that was in my head. Like imagine like if you turn right too many times, you paid a price for that. A good price, bad price, but you paid a price. Let's say you kept looking over your back somehow like 20 minutes later, that will affect what type of like person will come mm. after you or what type of jump scare. And because now we're using that whole computer processing thing where like, of course, we would have to make sure that like we code all of that. So it's very, very like intensive. Right. You're talking about a more interactive form of like choose your own adventure. Yeah. Where you don't realize that you're choosing. Because right. sometimes, because I think with experiences, sometimes when we give people too many choices, it affects it. So I was thinking something that's laid back, like your natural state or your natural rhythm mm -hmm. will determine the natural flow of that movie towards you. Interesting. It's hmm. probably a bad idea to start <laughs> off with. It probably will like take like 12 years. But I just feel like just the concept of stuff could be cool. So. Okay, so shifting topics slightly, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I did not ask you to prepare anything in advance. Um, but do you have any, I mean, you are a spoken word poet. Do you have any poems that you would be willing to share and or improvise? Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what are the topics? Give me a topic. Topic. Um, horror. Okay. <laughs> what are, like and then give me like five words five words okay um sunshine because the sun is streaming in through my window right now uh okay so topic is horror words sunshine plant music potholes coffee Okay, so you, so you said <laughs> music, sunshine, potholes, coffee. Yeah, that's, I guess, four words. Plants. Okay. Plants was the fifth one. You said sunshine. I said sunshine, potholes. Maybe I didn't actually say plants, but I was thinking plants because yeah, there's a plant next plant. to me. Okay. Um, sunshine, potholes, plants, music, coffee. Okay, let's see. Okay, so let's see. I, this is like life. So horror is what they want to hear. But are they ready to be in fear? At the sounds that hollow through the earth. As the sun pierces through their skin. They're trying not to make a sound. As the drowning of the wails of the sirens are nearby. All they want to do is get away. They want to hitch a ride to the next town. But as they realize their life is already in a decline, as they get ready to be mystified by what they can see or what they cannot rather, as this is not a time for life to be glee, as darkness is all around even if they try to flee, as their footsteps and sounds, as their rhythm and breath, all they have to realize is that they get closer to death. Step by step, as the fear increases, as no matter what they go, their life is just simply a matter of pieces that's going to be co collected by the soul reaper 
And that is how humanity sometimes think when they don't understand the presence of what is deep. As they get grounded by the roots of the tree of the plants, sometimes not wondering what they can go on behind. As their mind flashes, flashes so bright that all they can do is run. But they realize they have already been dead. That was pretty impressive. I gave you five completely random words. <laughs> okay, so I have like I have like this thing to tell. This is like actually funny, I guess, for like your listeners. Mm-hmm. So like, you know how like what we just did. I will always do that for like classes, especially English classes, because like sometimes the teachers will be like write a story, and then I'll be like, okay, you know, I would like try to finesse a bit. So I will write this whole like poem improv. But since I can do the sound thing and cold thing, I will like give this whole mini like complete like you could say like a five minute full out script like who would want to be the actors. And I will always get high marks in my class because they were like, yo, this is so much work. It must have took you weeks to come up with this. And I always feel bad because I'm like, yeah, it just took me a day. But, you know, you can't really tell your profs that, right? <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, Kofi, it's been really fun having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your work and your ideas and telling a little bit about your story and for improvising on the spot at my request. I hope that sounded good. Like, like actually, actually, you know what? Hold up before, like, I actually feel like I have to, like, because I actually found it. I actually want to, like, recite, like, a real piece, I guess. Okay. Like, you know, I had a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what topic you want though like this is your show so i should it doesn't matter whatever you want to share okay so i guess this one i haven't said this one in a while this is one of like the first poems i want to say like i really recited okay so yeah it's called fly little birdie fly cool fly little birdie fly till your flight becomes the truth of sci-fi and when you discover the formations of all the planets and their sky Walsing through space with no friends or vision in sight. But it don't matter, you just continue with that flight. No wind to knock you out of your course. Stars and starless giving you an energy source. Asteroids and comets showing true power and force. Fly, little birdie, fly. Take the earth and its citizens on a ride through space and all its inhabitants. Fly, little birdie, fly. Take global warming and show us new power supplies. Take toxins away and show us what a real tan will do. Show us how Martians will take care of these newfound flutes. But never forget the flight that began the flights of all flights. Looking through darkness to the only found lights. Stars and stars, planets and planets. If peace may not be found, at least you know atmosphere quiet for there is no sound. Bickering of unnecessary dilemmas. Found in idiotic criteria. Fly little birdie, fly, fly little birdie, high sky till the wings don't give up the ride. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So if people want to find you and uh, see more of your work and follow along with what you're doing, where can they find you? Okay, they can find me on my website, kofiadromyportfolio.com. They can find me on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. I know I'm missing one. Facebook, Instagram, sound, Twitter, on Illis Preacher. That is I L L E S T P R E A C H A. 
H-A, and that is like my alter ego for my mastermind. And then, <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. And all those links will be in the show notes so people can go check them out there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast. Leave a comment and make sure you tell your friends to come listen. And remember, we'll be back with another episode next Monday.